Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in a series entitled Impact. We keep talking about over the last few weeks and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about certain things, behaviors, uh, principles that uh, we're going to share with you. And the idea is if you want to have an impact, you've got to act upon those things. And so that's kind of why we split the graphic up the way we did. And today I have the honor appropriately on Mother's Day of being able to talk about the impact of a mother. And so I'm going to ask you if you would grab the word of God, head over to Hebrews chapter 11 with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, go to verse 23. I want to share something with you as you're heading over there. I I found this. This is signs that you're a mom. And I was trying to figure out how we could do this. And so here's what I want to do with all our moms in the room. If you agree with these as I read through them, I'm going to ask you to make a mom noise with me. Uh, If I say something you agree with it, I want you to go like this. Mm Mm-hmm. All right? Because that's a mom noise, isn't it? Like all you know that. That's why you're laughing. You heard mom do that a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mom, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That was almost like, go ahead and see what happens, right? So uh, if you agree with these things, signs that you're a mom. First one, uh, you can never go to the bathroom alone without somebody screaming outside your door. Mm-hmm, right? All right, what about this? Uh, your idea of a good day is making it through without a child leaking bodily fluids on you. Yeah. Uh, popsicles have become a food staple. Mm-hmm. Uh, your feet stick to the kitchen floor and you don't care anymore. Uh, peanut butter and jellies eaten at least one meal every day. Uh, you're willing to kiss your child's boo-boo, listen, regardless of where it's at, right? Uh, that's a mother's love right there. Uh, your baby's pacifier falls on the floor and you give it back to him after you suck the dirt off of it because you're too busy to wash it off. Yeah, see that, mm-hmm. That came from all the moms that have at least two or three kids. Because you don't do that with the first one, do you? You always wait till the, the second or third. Uh, what about this? The closest you get to gourmet cooking is making Rice Krispie treats. Uh, spit is your number one cleaning agent, right? Uh, you're so desperate for adult conversations that you spill your guts to the telemarketer and he hangs up on you, right? Uh, you automatically double knot everything that you tie, Uh, I like that one. Your favorite television show is a cartoon. And you found yourself actually cutting up your husband's steak for him. Uh, These are just signs that you're a mom. And today we are celebrating you as mothers. We are so thrilled that you're here today. Uh, And I want to share with you what I think is some of the most important things we can learn, uh, not just as moms, but as as parents uh, today. One of the things that I know is moms are so critical because a mother directs the mood and the culture of her family. Let me say that again. A mother directs the mood and culture of her family. Uh, Down in the deep south, we have a saying that goes like this. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that is so true, right? Uh, Because um, let me ask you this. Is the opposite true as well? If mama's happy, everybody's happy? See, a mother 
directs the mood and culture of her home. Uh, If you have a mother within a house that is cheerful, the house is cheerful. If you have a mother that's in the home that is stressed out, guess what the household is? It's stressed out. Everyone's living on pens and needles. Uh, And moms, you direct the mood and culture of your family. There is so much power when it comes to the mother and the household. And I want to show that to you through a a biblical example today. It's a biblical mother, uh, a mother who actually saved her son. It's the mother of Moses, and and it's uh, found in a couple different places. I I sent you to Hebrews. We're going to read that here in a minute because I want to set the tone for what we're actually going to look at later on in Exodus. The, The story starts in Exodus 1 and Exodus 2. But we have to understand the context before we read any of this. So let me just kind of catch you up to, uh, uh, up to speed here. If you haven't heard this story before, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. They've been slaves for hundreds of years, but even though they're being oppressed, it's God's people and he continues to bless them. And he's blessing them to such a degree that they keep growing, like they keep having children. The whole nation continues to thrive and grow even though they keep uh, putting more burden on them. They just thrive even more. It's because it's God's people and he's taking care of them. And, And it gets to such a point that the Pharaoh actually says that he's worried about it. Like he's scared of them. And his comment is, look, if, a, if an enemy comes and attacks us, they might join the enemy and they might fight back against us. So what he does is he orders the Israelite midwives to deliver the babies. And when the babies are born, if it's a boy, he wants them to kill it on the spot. This is what he says. But what's great about it is the Israelite midwives actually fear God more than they fear Pharaoh and they don't follow the order. And pretty soon they continue to thrive and Pharaoh realizes they're not following the order. So he goes and he asks them, why aren't you killing these babies? And they lie to him. They actually say, look, these Israelite mamas are so strong. I mean, they're so incredible that they have these children without our help. And before we know it, they've had the children and we can't even get to them fast enough. And here's what's interesting is they lie to Pharaoh and God blesses them for it. It says that God gives them households. Now, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, but Pharaoh ends up realizing he's got a bigger problem on his hands, so he puts it into law. He passes an edict that says any Egyptian, if they see an Israelite boy, can throw them into the Nile just to kill them if they want to. This is the culture. You thought you were raising kids in a tough culture, huh? And this is where they're at. They're trying to raise these kids and these boys in a culture that says anyone can kill their sons if they see them. Um, Happy Mother's Day, right? Talking about killing kids here. Uh, It's going to get better. Hang on. Okay, just hang on with me. Uh, It it will turn a corner here in just a minute because this is an amazing story. Even in the midst of this culture, what we find out is that uh, Moses' parents... Their names are Jochebed and Amram. Great names, by the way, if you're looking for one for a baby. Uh, Jochebed is Moses' mother, and she is a very, very godly woman. She's a God-fearing woman. And she's mentioned in Exodus, but she's also mentioned right in um, Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there yet? Are you there yet, some of you? Okay, good. I I want you to look at this because Hebrews 11 is actually referred to as the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. And Moses' parents are mentioned in the hall of faith. Here in verse 23, it says this. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Now, you might read that and go, well, I've got an unusual child. 
Uh, that's a little different, okay? What they're talking about in this passage is that they understood that God's hands were upon this kid. Like there was something about him. God ha- had picked him out for some task. They just knew there was something special about him. And, and so it also says that they disobeyed the king's commands. Um, let me talk to you about that as you head over to uh, Exodus chapter 2. Go ahead and flip clear back to the left. Go to Exodus chapter 2 with me. Um, it says that they disobeyed the king's commands. And yet we still read that they're in the hall of faith. How does that work? Also, I just told you that the midwives lied to Pharaoh, and yet God blessed them tremendously. He gave them households. How does that work? See, because if you're a legalist, as you read through scripture or as you approach your faith, you're going to struggle with these passages. But if you're the type of person, you're seeking the heart of God, what you're going to find out is this makes a whole lot more sense. Because when you think through scripture, think about all the characters in scripture who disobeyed the kings and yet God blessed them tremendously. People like Esther and Mordecai, right? And actually God took out Haman because he was trying to kill Mordecai. Uh, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They were disobeying the king's orders and they were thrown into a fiery furnace and it says that there wasn't just three of them in there anymore, that there was four. Like someone like the son of God was walking with them and when they came out, not a single thread on their, their uh, garments were singed. God protected them even though they disobeyed. And then, of course, you have Daniel. Daniel disobeyed the king's edict and what happened to him? He's thrown in a lion's den and, and God closed the mouths of the lions. See, all of these characters, including Moses' parents and the midwives, they weren't blessed for lying or for disobeying, but they were blessed because they they weren't violating a higher law. See, they were protecting thousands of innocent lives. They knew what this meant, and they were standing in the gap to protect all of these innocent lives. Now, this story kind of unfolds in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's take a look at the first nine verses here. It says, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now, you mamas are going to relate to this because it says in verse two, but when she could no longer hide him, it says three months she's been hanging on to him. He's a newborn. She can keep him somewhat quiet, but after that, um, all bets are off, right? And it says when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do it, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. It's an amazing story. Jochebed, the mother of Moses, does the only thing that she knows to do. She's trying everything she can to protect her child. And so she's trusting God with the rest. Uh, This is completely out of her hands. And and so she goes as long as she can. She goes three months and finally makes this basket, puts her baby in it, puts him in in, in the reed in the River Nile. And then she has 
his sister, who about this time is six years old, stand down the bank and watch him. Now, do we know that she knew this is where the princess was going to bathe? Do we know? I don't know any of that stuff. I just know that she was doing what she thought was best. My question is this. Where did she come up with this plan? Where does a plan like this even start? See, I believe if you look at the story, you see the heart of a mother in the story. And I believe that this plan came from a mother's heart to do what was right for her child. Was it right for Jochebed? Of course not. And a mother would never want to go through this. A mother would want to keep the baby at home and, and not have to worry about their life. But yet, in this situation, this was the only thing she could think of to do. And she takes the steps that were best for her child, not what was best for her. See, I believe one of the best examples on this earth of sacrificial love is the love that a mother has for her child. You guys are such an example of Christ's love to your kids. Um, I, I believe that she does what she feels like she needs to do to save her child. She takes a big step of faith, and a step of faith is, is usually required before God will do a miracle. You realize that? I've experienced that in my own life. It's, it's not that God performs something or he tells me what he wants me to do and then I do it. Um, I usually have to take that step of faith first and then God shows up and does what only God does. Jochebed's doing the first thing that she could think of for her child. She's doing the best thing. And in that moment, she takes action. She trusts God and then God shows up and does what he does. She puts Moses in a basket, puts him in the river. Pharaoh comes down and finds him. And keep this in mind, Pharaoh's daughter knows that it's a Hebrew child, doesn't she? She said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Let me ask you another question. Does she know the edict that's in place that her father has signed? Of course she does. Does she know what's supposed to happen to this child according to the edict? Yes, she does. But it says in that moment, the baby was crying and, and her heart goes out to the baby. See, God is doing something here that, that none of us could do on our own. Jochebed trusts God in this moment. And then and what happens is his sister runs over and says, hey, uh, obviously you need help with this baby because you can't breastfeed it. Can I go find somebody that can take care of this baby for you? And she's like, yes. And she goes and gets her own mother and brings her own mother to take care of her own child, which is just an amazing twist. Look, look how God blesses them in this situation. He flips this entire script. She goes from being a mother that can't keep this baby quiet, worrying about his life every day, to now being protected by the princess who says, look, uh, not only am I going to save your child, but you get to take your child home and you get to feed him, you get to care for him, and you get to raise him. And not only that, this is the one that blows my mind, she gets paid to do so. I bet none of you can really say that, right? You didn't get paid to raise your own child. And yet, even in the worst case scenario, in the worst circumstances ever, it saves her son, she gets to care for him, and she gets paid all at one time. Isn't it amazing how God can just flip everything upside down in a moment? And we worry about every little detail, and God's like, I got this, I got it. Now, think about how God took care of her in that moment. She took a step of faith, and God intervened and, and took care of every detail See, I believe a mother's faith brings blessing upon blessing. A mother's faith brings blessing upon blessing. Um, when you trust your kids with God and you live out your faith in front of them, there's a blessing upon blessing that happens. I don't know what it looks like for you. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that you've been living your life in a, in a righteous way and your children are following in your footsteps. Uh, maybe it's because of that that they didn't have to go through a lot of the heartaches that you did. 
Uh, maybe it's, it's you went through a very difficult time in life and you held on to your faith and you, and you clung strong to God and his word and your kids were watching you all that time. And then later on in life when they're going through a difficult thing, they're following your example. Maybe they're standing strong in a storm that they're going through right now because they watched you do it earlier in your life. I don't know what that blessing looks like, but I do know that a mother's faith brings blessing upon blessing. Uh, take a look at verse 10. It says, later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses for she explained, she, she explained I lifted him out of the water. Now, two big things in this one verse. This is such a powerful verse and I don't want us to miss it this morning. First of all, she knew there was a time coming when he was older that she was gonna have to take him and give him away. Her own son, she was gonna have to give him away. Jochebed raised him for several years. She taught him everything she could in that short amount of time. She taught him about his Hebrew heritage. She taught him uh, about their traditions. And she taught him, most importantly, about his God. Why? Because she wanted to have an impact in his life. She knew that every moment that she had with her child was critical. It was important. And if you don't think that you can teach a small child all these things, just go down this uh, east wing over here. If you walk down that hallway right now, we have two, three, four, five, six-year-olds down there who are learning this morning that they're learning Scripture. They're learning that Jesus loves them, that God sent his son to die for them. It's amazing what's going on in that wing down there. And you know what? They're receiving every bit of it. They love it. Those awesome volunteers down there, they're not just babysitting your kids. They're raising them up to know Jesus. Um, I don't... I don't know about you, but I, I think that uh, for us, it's important, especially as moms, that we look for ways to share Jesus with our kid every day. Every day. Just look for opportunities to be able to share Jesus with them. See, Jochebed knew that this was critical because um, Moses was soon going to leave her house. He was soon going to be turned over to the princess, and he was going to be sent off to an Egyptian school, that he was going to be indoctrinated in, in their, their culture, in their language, in their ways. He was going to be taught about their gods and, and how to live an Egyptian lifestyle. And she knew that she had to lay a foundation that would be strong enough to last all of that. See, Jewish tradition says that from birth, a mother would actually whisper into her baby's ears, Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. Why? Because it's the most important thing for them to learn. From the time they're born all the way to the time they leave your house. Let me ask you, how would that change your household? If you as a mother, what would happen if you were to tell your kids every day, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I know you're having a tough time, but Jesus loves you. What would happen in your household? You know what I think would happen? I think they would start repeating it. They would, they would start repeating it to themselves when you're not even there. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. See, if, um, if they'll repeat things that you say once that you don't want them to repeat, <laughs> trust me, they'll repeat this, right? I mean, they learn from you, moms. Um, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I love this passage because it gives us some detail. It says direct, and don't miss this. It says direct. Direct them onto the right path. That's exactly what Jochebed was doing. 
She was saying, hey, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, and I want you to know this, because pretty soon you're gonna leave my house. You're gonna be going to a school that's gonna teach you something different. Uh, You're gonna be sent into a world that's gonna be hostile toward your God. Is any of this ringing true for anybody today? Is this relevant for us right now? And I tell you what, story's thousands of years old, and it, it applies to us right here, right now. As mothers, you direct the mood and culture of your family. It's important that we understand our role in all of this. And I want you to know that it says direct. Direct your children. Why am I pointing this out? Uh, Because many times I think as mamas, you take on too much responsibility because you try to control the mood and the culture. Uh, we had some, uh, we had lunch with some dear friends of ours this last week. We haven't seen them in probably eight or nine years. And they're some of those great friends, you know, that, that you haven't seen in years, but you get back together and it's like you never missed a day. It's those types of friends. And we were so thrilled to meet with them this week. And, and uh, we knew each other years and years ago when we were in our early 20s. So you do the math, it was a long time ago. And uh, we both had small kids, you know, and we were hanging out because we were in that stage of life where, you know, early 20s we were working. We didn't have any money, but we had lots of time, so we always were hanging out together, letting our kids play together. And here we are years later, meeting for lunch, talking about our grown children, how they've gone off and gotten married, and all the, the dynamics that come with that and everything, and how life never turns out the way that you think. And we're having this conversation, and, and this dear friend of ours, she says something so profound, because she was talking about just the, the dynamics of their family with, with other families. You know, you, they go off, they get married, and they bring other families back into your family, and all of that, and, and trying to work all that stuff out. And she said this, and I'm I'm praying, I'm praying that this is so helpful for some of you mamas in the room today. And I I just know some of you need to hear this today. But what she said in that moment was so profound. She said, look, you can't control the outcome. She she said, I've learned that with my kids, I can't control the outcome. She said, "Um, you can only contribute to it. That's it. See, I think as mamas, you take on so much pressure because you think you have to control everything. And I want you to know that, that there's a moment in time when you, you can't control it. You're going to have to come to this understanding and realize you can't control the outcome. All you can do is contribute to it. Jochebed knew that she couldn't control it. She contributed the best that she could, and she trusted God with the rest, even if it meant making a basket and putting her baby in it and setting him in the river. She was doing the best that she could, and she had to trust God with the rest of it. She had to let go and place Moses in God's hands. And by the way, that's the best place for your kids to be. It's even better than your own hands. You have to learn how to release your children to God. Give them back to God. We have to learn to release them back to God and trust him. And that's exactly what Jochebed did in this story. Why am I bringing this up? Because we have a horrible thing in our culture called child idolization. We idolize our kids and we are setting them up for failure. Uh, so many have put their kids on pedestals and, and they want to create a perfect environment for them. They want to they control everything. I mean everything from school to food to friends to grades to everything. They try to control every aspect of their child's life. And these are the parents that live vicariously through their kids. They're, they're posting 50 pictures every day on social all about princess and about sport. And they're the ones that are, are pushing their kids to breaking points. And, and they're the ones on YouTube that are screaming at school board meetings or yelling at some referee at a six and seven year old soccer game. They're the ones that are afraid to let their kids leave the house. And you know what ends up happening in that situation? Their adult kids end up not having a relationship with them 
because the parents have pushed them away and the kids don't want to have anything to do with them. And these are also the same kids that go out in the world and they struggle because they find out that real life is not all about them. Now, is it bad for you to want the best for your kid? No, not at all. I'm not saying that. I'm saying raise them right. Desire to raise them right. Do everything you can. But you have to understand that you can't control everything. You can't. And if you understand that, if you grasp this idea that you can't control the outcome, you can only contribute to it, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to relax and just be mom and contribute to the desired outcome. And guess what? Trust God with the rest. Give him what you can't handle. Listen, the most important thing isn't your child's appearance. It's not. The most important thing is not how well your kid can throw a ball. And it's not even their grades. Kids, don't listen to me on that one, okay? I'm just talking to moms. It's not even their grades. Do you know what it is? The bottom line, see, our job is to teach our kids to foster a relationship with God. That's the most important things. And sometimes we miss this because we think that we have tons of time. We think that we got all the time in the world. Like today, we just take for granted because we have tomorrow. See, Jochebed didn't take any time for granted because she knew she only had a short amount of time and she wanted to have the best impact as a mother that she could have. She wanted her impact in her child's life to be great. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you knew that all you had was the rest of this year until the end of this year with your kid? What would happen? Would anything change? What would you focus on? What would you want to teach your kid? What would, you, what would you want them to know? How would you talk to them? What would your interaction with your kid be like? Would it be different than what you're doing now? If so, you've got to change something. How do you want to impact your child? Moms, I'm just getting real with you this morning. Because your time is limited. There's a day coming when they will leave your house. See, Jochebed eventually had to release her son to the princess. She could, have, she could have tried to change the scenario. She could have tried to keep him or hold him back. But see, God had a plan for him. God was in the middle of this working it out. And if she had done something like that, she would have, she would have gotten in the way of what God was doing. See, I, I want you to know that God knows your kid and has a plan for them. And you've got to trust God in that moment. I want you to know, before you leave here, if you missed everything else today, I want you to get this. The only one who knows and loves your kid more than you do is God. And I know that's hard for some of you moms to understand. And nobody loves my kid better than I do. You know what? God does. God does. What are you doing in this moment that might be getting in the way of what God wants to do in and through your children? because you're hanging on, because you're trying to control everything. Do what you can as a mom. Trust God with the rest. You can't control it. All you can do is contribute. See, Jochebed trusted God. She trusted that God not only had a plan for her, but that God had a plan for her son as well. We have to trust God and his plan. So my challenge for you as moms today, Mother's Day 2021, I want to encourage all of you, all the mothers in the room, be mothers that are mothers of prayer and mothers of faith. Mothers that bring a blessing upon blessing to their children. I want you to keep in the forefront of your mind that you can't control the outcome. All you can do is contribute to it. And if all else fails, 
please know deep down in your heart that God knows and loves your child more than you ever could, ever could. I believe if you follow those things, you're going to have a great impact as a mother. Uh, What I want to do to wrap up today is I just want all of us to stand. Would you do that with me? And as we stand, if you're with your mother today, would you just reach over and lay a hand on them? Uh, I want to pray for the impact of mothers today. So would you join me in that? Just reach over and put your hand on uh, a mother around you if you would do that. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We, we lift up our mothers especially. God, we love them. Uh, we don't say how much we appreciate them enough. And God, today of all days, I just ask that you would uh, allow them to see how much they are loved, how much they are needed and appreciated, and the impact that they have. God, I pray that you would help the moms in this room to be able to, to trust you. Give them the strength to release the things that they can't control and to give them to you. And God, I pray that in this, that our, our impact would just increase, that we would be able to direct our children onto the right path. And God, we give these things to you. We ask that all of this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said,